Hey, what's happening, everybody? I'm Larry Roberts, and this is another episode of the Readily Random Podcast. Hey, you could be larger than life, bigger than the world. It's about being larger than life emotionally, larger than life in our performance, larger than life in everything we do each and every day. And I have a guest today that's going to help us do exactly that. This is so cool to have him on the show. His name is Trip Lanier. And Trip coaches men to get out of the rat race and become an authority in their field and make a great living doing meaningful work that they love. How many of us go to work each day and go, Ugh. but we look at it like this. We go, hey, man, we get, we get a paycheck. We get a paycheck. We get to pay the house payment, right? So that's kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> for small business owners to startup founders to Navy SEALs, Trip has coached anyone and everyone who refuses to settle. Play it safe or follow the herd. As host of the New Man Podcast, he's racked up millions of downloads, conducting interviews with extraordinary thinkers in business, personal growth, and spirituality. He lives a quiet, simple life with his wife and his daughter near the beach in North Carolina. You can learn more about Trip at triplanier.com. That's L-A-N-I-E-R, triplanier.com. And you can check out his podcast at the New Man Podcast. Dot com. So instead of just telling you about Trip, let's talk to him. Trip, welcome to the show, man. Larry, thank you so much. I appreciate the introduction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's great to have you here today. And and uh, you know, I was telling you in the green room that it's there's you have so many things that we could talk about because I hate settling for mediocrity. But you know, too often in life, I have found that mediocrity yeah, gets you a little bit beyond just the average Joe. You know. Uh, so- <laughs> Sometimes I've prided myself on me, my mediocrity and uh, where it's put me in life because I don't think I should be where I'm at in life right now based on some of the input that I've had or the energy that I've I've given to it. So, Trip, where do you get your concepts and ideas? What inspires you each day? That's a great question. I, I want to touch on this idea of mediocrity. I mean, mediocrity can't exist unless we're looking outside of ourselves and comparing ourselves to others. And maybe we'll get into more of that later on. So, I I just find that a lot where we've attached our sense of well-being. We attached our like whether our day is good or bad, depending on how we did compared to others. Uh, that's a that's a huge trap. So uh, I like that you brought that word in there because I, I think if it's hey, if I'm happy and I'm enjoying my life, that's the win. Because I know a lot of people that have been really successful. This is one of the reasons why I wrote this book was that I met a lot of really successful people that felt trapped, felt drained, felt isolated, felt bored, felt overwhelmed. And, you know, seemingly from the outside, they were on top of the hill. So I, I, I don't want us to create that trap. I want us to stay out of that, that mindset that gets us to that place where we seemingly have it all, but we can't be okay with it. And, I, I, and that's something that, you know, you hear so much about people win the lottery. They think they're on top of the world and uh, they hang out for a couple of years, have a great time. And then before you know it, they're worse off than they were. Or you hear of celebrities that make it to, you know, Hollywood, they win all the awards and they're on the red carpets, but yet they're still extremely unhappy in their lives. And, you know, they, they, they face all of these challenges that, I mean, you don't have to be a celebrity to face some of these challenges as each and every one of you know, I was an alcoholic. I had to face those challenges and get clean and thank God I did. Uh, so I'm here today to share that story. But your book that you just mentioned is called, This Book Will Make You Dangerous. And dangerous is all lit up with flames, so that's kind of scary. I'm afraid to touch it. Uh, the Cheeto, what's the spicy Cheetos? They got it's. Uh... I can see that. Yeah, the the red flaming hot Cheetos. That's yeah, I see that now. 
Well, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have said that. I don't want to dish your book or anything, but, you know, yeah, that's cool. That looks kind of like a flaming Hot Cheeto. But it's the irreverent guide for men who refuse to settle. What's that all about, man? Uh, well, if we talk about what most of us are doing in our lives, I, I, this, this idea of purpose comes up a lot, especially when, when I'm talking to people. Like, I want you to have a sense of purpose. I want to I want to know that my life is about something. And it's like, well, it is. It already is. You're just not aware of it. And what do I mean by that? Most of us, if we were to examine every single one of our choices throughout the day, we're living with a very clear sense of purpose. One, we want to avoid being uncomfortable emotionally or physically, right? I don't want to do anything that's that's going to be uncomfortable. I don't want to have that conversation over there. I don't want to go exercise that's uncomfortable. Whatever it might be, it doesn't have to be extraordinary. It's just, I don't, I'm going to go, I'm going to default to comfort. I'm going to seek more comfort. Number two, I want to feel safe, secure. Well, what is safe and secure these days? I want to protect my time, my energy, and especially my money. So we get into a mindset like, what do I got to do to make sure I don't lose time, don't lose energy, don't lose money? And number three, we don't want to do anything that makes us look like a moron. We don't want to do anything that's going to be humiliating. And so when, if we go look at every single choice that a guy makes over the course of 24, 48 hours, my money is going to go on that every single one of them had a really clear purpose to avoid discomfort, to avoid any kind of risk to his time, energy, or money, or to look like a, an asshat in some kind of a way. And so I find that pretty liberating when you understand that that's the purpose of your life. It, it can be a wake-up call. I'd be like, really? I'm going to spend my entire life avoiding discomfort, avoiding risk, and avoiding humiliation? Or is there something else that I want? We realize that we're playing it safe. And so this idea of being dangerous is talking to that part of us that's playing small. It's playing it safe and saying, hey, what if you were willing to be a little uncomfortable? What if you were willing to be a little bit risky? What if you were willing to put your self-image on the line from time to time and not take yourself so seriously? Maybe all the joyful things that you really want to have in this lifetime are on the other side of that. And so that's going to seem dangerous to that part of us that is so committed to playing it safe. But so often too, we hear that you know if, if you live in that comfort zone and you avoid discomfort, that you're not going to grow you're not going to evolve. You're going to sit there and you're going to languish right there in that, that, that middle zone where you're safe and you're clean and you're looking how, you know, at least you think you're looking cool, you know, are you, who knows, but you're right there. But in order to move forward, we kind of have to put ourselves on the line and we have to put ourselves out there. Just like, um, I, I just undertook my, I'm writing another book. I'm writing book number two, you know, uh, that's pretty scary. You know, the first one that I wrote, it did pretty, de pretty decent. Uh, but is this one going to outperform that one? Is this one going to sell after the first week? I don't know. I hope so. Uh, but it's going to be out there for people to, to, to take a look at. And I'm putting myself on the line there. Uh, it, it goes uh, without saying that you have to get beyond what, what's the buzzword that everybody likes to use, the imposter syndrome in, in order to move forward. Do you, is, is that kind of relate to what you're talking about here, Tripp? Absolutely. If you think about our nervous systems, we start to, we've adapted from this place where instead of running from big critters that wanted to eat us and, and run us down and take our, take everything away from us. Now we're in a place where uh, most of the time, what feels like a threat to our survival is, am I going to look dumb? Am I going to look like a failure? Am I going to be, is somebody going to criticize me? That for most of us on a, on a good regular day, is what constitutes as a real threat. Okay. So when we understand that that's the deal, we can start to slow down and say, well, it would suck 
if I was criticized and it might not feel good if somebody pointed out that my second book wasn't as good as my first or whatever that might be, but it wouldn't kill me. And I, I think this is where we start to realize just how strong we are, just how powerful we really are. And we start to see our lives as a whole and say, wait a second, do I want to get to where I'm a hundred years old and I'm laying on my deathbed and I'm like, man, I'm really glad I played it safe and I didn't write that second book. I'm really glad that I played it safe and I didn't ask that person, that, that woman out on a date. I'm really glad I played it safe and didn't go for my dreams. Or is it going to be like, like, no, I'm glad I went for it. Even if I face planted from time to time, it was so worth it. You know, and, and it's funny. I think that's probably why David, uh, David Hooper hooked us up and had us get together to have this conversation because I had brought up to him that there aren't many times that I've, I've, I've let fear get in the way. I, 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 I might be lying to myself right there if, if I really want to look a little bit deeper. But I, I mentioned to him that I have intentionally sandbagged before. Like I've intentionally sat things out going, I've, I've got, that's fine. I can do that. Ah, no, I can do that. Or I reach a certain level of quote unquote success, right? And go, all right, I did it. I'm good. You know, oh, I wrote a book. All right, I'm an author. Oh, I have a podcast. Eh, I'm a podcaster. Uh, you know, cool. And then I move on to other things because I, I, I don't want to, or I'm afraid to take that next step to truly become an expert in that field. Well, I would challenge that. I, I think that there's, it, it may sound good to our egos. Like I've got to keep pushing. I've got to be somebody. And that's certainly where a lot of coaches make their money is they feed on that ego part of us that says, I've always got to be moving forward. I always got to be bigger, always got to be better. Um, I'm not convinced that's what makes us happier though. So when I talk to somebody, I say, let's look at your goals here. You say you want to have X percent body fat or X, you know, you want to have a, uh, certain amount of money in the bank. You want to have a title. You want to have X, Y, Z. How do you think that's going to actually have you feel? What's the experience you imagine you're going to have? Most of us never connect the dots between those two things. We're just on autopilot. It's go, 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 bigger, 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 better, better, better. But we never really sit down and say, well, I hope that it makes me feel free. I hope that it makes me feel more alive. I hope it has me feel more connected and loving to people. I hope it has me feel peace of mind about the life that I'm having. Because I'll tell you what, I've helped people get really good at things and they felt the opposite of that. Instead of free, they felt trapped. Instead of alive, they felt drained. Instead of loving and connected, they felt isolated. Instead of peace of mind, they were bored or they were overwhelmed. That's a fail in my book. We missed it. Well, let me so, ask you this because, and I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. I apologize. But let me ask you a question and maybe you can speak to that in that there are times that I've accomplished things where it, it seems like it's, 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 it, it, it was a lofty goal and I got there. And then I'm like, all right, so what? Take martial arts, for example. You know, I've got my black belt hanging behind me back there that probably still doesn't even fit around my waist, but hey, I'm going to sport it because I earned it. But the, the, my point is, is that even today, I can't stand traditional martial arts. It was my world growing up. It was everything. I thought it was the coolest thing. It was the greatest thing. And I thought if I had a black belt, it was going to solve all my problems. Now, granted, it solved a few because it definitely upped the confidence level. You know, I wasn't that sniveling little 155 pound. I wasn't always fat, by the way. I've heard your two little fat jokes that were in there. I, I, I picked up on that. I'm like, <laughs> he's talking to me. He's talking you're, to me. You're hearing something. I, I'm not dishing it out. That's up to you. Talking man. to me, man. But, you know, anyways, <laughs> I accomplished that goal. I got there. And then I just felt empty. The mysticism was gone. The cool factor was gone. I realized that a lot of that stuff, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but a lot of it don't work. You know, we've seen the UFC. We know what's up. 
And that was a big change too. I saw that what I did was was worthless when the UFC right. jumped on the scene in 93. And I, again, it, I, now I don't even train. Now I watch the fights. I love the fights. But martial arts really isn't a integral part of my day-to-day life. But it's something that I worked so hard for. And then I got there and went, oh, I guess that's it. I think what happens is we commit to the path. We commit to this outside objective, this vision, which looks great on our goal board, our vision board, right? We watch The Secret. Go make a, this board, right? And have all this stuff on there. But we're not connected to the experiences we most want to have. So when you describe that you became a black belt, but it felt empty, that was out of alignment with what there was. There was a theory in there. Once I get my black belt, I'm going to feel something different. And empty wasn't it. Right. What most of us are doing, and I'm not against goals, but I am for setting smart goals, which is that set goals that instead of five years from now, 20 years from now, you know, even 20 days from now, I hope that once I get here, I finally get to free X, Y, Z. I'm all about like, well, what is it that you want to feel in 20 days or 20 years? And let's start feeling that way now. And we just grow that as we go. So instead of depriving ourselves now so that one day we can finally feel free or alive or connected or have peace of mind, what would allow you to have that today? And this is where things start to get a little dangerous because it's like, well, wait a second. If I was going to feel more free today, I'd clear my schedule a bit. I'd, I'd, have, a, I'd, I'd have that conversation with my partner that I've been avoiding I'd, I'd, you know, spend more time with, with this person instead of doing X, Y, Z, instead of, you know, telling myself I got to work 16 hours a day, it starts to confront all of the scripts we have in our head about who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to act and the expectations we've created for ourselves. And that's where things get a little wobbly, but I think that that's where we find our own self-leadership instead of just being another member of the herd. So, so, but how do you do that? I mean, I, I think that's the question, you know, it, it, and it's kind of like I was talking to David, he is my podcasting coach because no matter where you're at in your life, I think you need a coach, you know, e- even as a, a black belt or a secondary, whatever, it doesn't matter. You need a coach. You always have to have a coach to keep, in my opinion. Now you may mm-hmm. look at that differently, but it, no, I have coaches too. It's, it's a sense of how do I do it now? How do I adopt that mindset? How do I not only adopt the mindset, but take the, take the action that's necessary to go to that next level. You know, you, you grind at something for X amount of time and it seems like an eternity, you know, the whole 10 year thing to be an expert. Ah, I think with Google, that's kind of a BS deal there personally, but maybe you do, I don't know, but you're ready to go to that next echelon, but you can't quite grab it. Is it a well, mental let's go, thing? Let's go back to this, to this idea of, of how do we shift gears? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Is we, is we want to connect the dots and understand that we may have external objective goals. Right. I'm going to get my podcast up to these numbers. I'm going to get a black belt. All of those are fantastic. All of that's great. But then we want to connect the dots between that external measurable thing and the experience we ultimately want to have. I want to feel badass. I want to feel confident. I want to feel alive. I want to feel lit up. I want to feel free, whatever that thing is. And so I'm like, great, we'll go do that thing and we'll experiment. We'll see if this actually has you feel, I say stronger. It's just more expansive as you go, right? Let's see. Everything's an experiment. It means you got to pay attention there. Imagine you got a dashboard. Most of us have duct tape over the gauges. And we're not even aware of when we are numbing ourselves because we're numbing ourselves. We're looking at screens. We're looking at porn. We're smoking weed and we're drinking. And none of that stuff's necessarily bad or terrible, but it, 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 it keeps us from checking in with ourselves and just saying, 
what is it that I'm actually feeling? Am I moving towards and, or am I allowing more of the experiences I ultimately want to have? Because if we're not, we're going to be numbing ourselves and just telling ourselves the lie that I just need to stick this out. I got to deprive myself another 20 days or 20 years until I get to this point. So I just like to connect it. Say, let's come back. Let's actually see what has you feel more free and let's be willing to be surprised. I did this experiment one time with a guy I was working with out in LA. He was a big part of the, the entertainment community out there. From the outside, his, his life looked pretty amazing with the amount of the, the types of people he was able to be around. Get to know him, he's actually miserable, right? He's in his world, it's never enough. He doesn't have the Grammys, he doesn't have the house on that hill, he doesn't have this. It's always something's missing. He was pretty miserable. I said, let's just collect data, okay? Instead of what your brain thinks you think you need in order to be happy. What if you, we were just going to collect data and several times a day, you're just going to write down the things you actually did and then how it actually made you feel. Imagine that, right? He told me this one story. He was like, it was actually the kind of the highlight of his week was he went to the Home Depot and he's walking around there. And some old lady walked up to him and said, will you help me find a light bulb? And he laughed because he's like, I don't work here. But he's like, I just helped her out. And he's like, for, for five minutes, we just chatted and talked and I helped her find the light bulb. And he's like, I didn't have to be so-and-so music producer anymore. I didn't have to worry about any that stuff it actually helped him to get his head out of his ass and just help somebody. And he started to learn that, wow, I was surprised. That actually had me feel more fulfilled and more alive and more satisfied than trying to get somebody to kiss my ass for how important I am. So I like to go have my guys gather data around what actually has them more free or alive or more loving and connected, more peace of mind. And then we just grow that as we go. It's like a fire. We give it a little bit of, little bit of air, a little bit of fuel as we go instead of, hoping one day once we finally get, get across this magical finish line that all of our problems are going to be solved. Yeah, and that, that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with because that's the perception. And it's either that perception of, or of I make it to this line or it's the perception of you can never be satisfied. I mean, hell, there's even shirts that say it, you know, embrace the grind and, 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 and whatever it may be. But it's, there, it's never enough. And that's kind of... I mean, shit, it goes all the way back to the 80s when greed was good. You know what I mean? And you always have to have that push or that next level or that next taste or that next, you know, that bigger hit or, or whatever it may be. And people struggle with understanding that, yeah, that made me feel good in the moment. Like I helped that lady find that light bulb because I'll be honest, helping people is great. I love it. That's what I love to do. And, you know, I've been preaching, give back, give back, give back to whatever your community is, give back to that community. And it feels great. It feels spectacular. But then you counter that with the, well, I feel great doing this and I'm attempting to do this, but here I am, I'm still just trucking along. So how do you connect those dots? How do you go, okay, how do I take this feeling that felt so great when I helped this person to take that same feeling and apply it to your daily, weekly, monthly activities that are your focus and your goals, your overall. I know you don't like goals. So that kind of, that kind of. No, it's, that not, kind it's of, not that I don't like goals. I like, I don't like dumb practical goals. goals. I'm, I'm sorry. Dumb goals. Exactly yeah. right. So <laughs> maybe we need to define that. Maybe we need to define what the hell is a dumb goal. I would say a dumb goal is something that we take on because we think it's going to make us look good. We think it's what people expect of us. It's not connected to our own sense of autonomy, our own sense of authority. When we take on other people's goals, we, we learn from an early age, right? Here, go to school, do what you're told. Then you go to college, you do what you're told there, and then you get set up. There's this whole program where we are trained to do what we're told. Right. And I don't have a problem with that per se, as long as you don't forget how to think for yourself. And, and 
what happens is we're trained to lose our sense of authority and say, well, what actually has me feel stronger? What actually works for me in my life? Because for some people, they will fit in that box and that'll be wonderful for them. And then there's going to be those of us that don't fit in that box and it doesn't work for us. And we're not happy there. And we think something's wrong with us. And ultimately we start to think, well, if I'm not happy here, I must need more. I must be doing it wrong. I must not be blank enough. And so we continue to pile on more and more and more. And lo and behold, there's a lot of marketing companies that want to sell us that one because they can keep selling us solutions to our never ending problem. But what very few people will tell us is to sit down, shut up and listen. Just listen to yourself as you go through your day. When I eat this way, when I get up at this time of day, when I look at my phone and read the bad news all the time, when I talk to these people and gossip, like what does that actually make me feel better? Or is that just what I do because I'm on autopilot? And most of us, I think the real thing here, Larry, is that most of us are just want to be told what to do. We actually don't want to lead. Our power feels like a sense of burden. It's like if somebody says, hey, where do you want to eat? And you're like, I don't know, you, wherever you want to go. That's, it's like, here, it's a hot potato. You, you do it. I don't want to deal with it, which is a lot different than like, let me, let me check in. Mexican. I want Mexican. I'm really clear I want Mexican. Let's go get Mexican. That burden we, we, we get a sense of comfort in the moment when we, when we give it up. Like, here, you decide what I should do with my life, which is different than what do I want to do? That's my power. And that's how we end up with people that don't lead their lives and they can be pushed around. And that's fine for a lot of people. I'm not trying to convert them. But as I say on the back cover of this book, this book is not for most people. It's for those that are tired of sleepwalking and tired of feeling like they're not leading their own lives. So how, how's the book make you dangerous? The dangerous part is stepping outside of what we think is playing it safe. Most of us are playing it safe. Even if from the outside, it looks rather daring. Safe is like meeting expectations. It's looking a certain way. It's making sure we live in a certain neighborhood. It's making sure we've got a certain bottom line. It can look, quote, extraordinary, but it's not really what's for us. I want to be really clear. This is not about having a problem with success or anything. It's more about just finding alignment between your values and the life that you have. So what might feel dangerous is, shit, I don't need to make that money. I'd rather work half the amount and live in a much simpler life that rather than chase this bigger, better all the time thing. And for some people, it might be like, I'm tired of hiding out. I've been, I've been dicking around in a corporate environment. It's time for me to go out on my own. That's going to feel dangerous. So dangerous is defined by our, our unique selves. It's not something that gets prescribed and says, here's a way to live. And it's not the safe way. So, so danger, the danger that we're talking about here is the danger of, or the perceived danger for most people of empowerment. I would say that it's the danger when I come back to what feels dangerous, the part that's like, oh, I don't know. It's like, oh, I might be uncomfortable. This, I might lose some money if I, if I risk, you know, I invest in myself in this way and I take some classes to learn how to do ABC. Is it going to work out? I don't know. What am I, what are they going to think of me if, if I, if I change lanes? What's my wife going to say if I tell her I want to do ABC with my life? It's that type of stuff. That's the thing that starts to feel dangerous. And ultimately, that's the stuff that holds most of us back because we're waiting for the green light. We're waiting for somebody to tap us on the shoulder and say, all right, you've got permission now. You can go do the thing you really want to do. Well, I think that's that constant reinforcement that, uh, Larry, you're doing the right thing. Larry, you're, you're, you're a podcaster. Larry, you're a, a marketing genius. Larry, you know, whatever you hear on the outside, you're looking for, for reassurance or, or outside uh, reinforcement of the perception that you want others to see. So if my wife looked at me and she goes, dude, you're the best podcaster ever, I'd be like, oh, cool. You know, at least somebody sees <laughs> me right. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but... <laughs> But the thing is, I don't really believe it. I don't house that inside, you know, because I go, well, if that was true, 
X would be true, Y would be true, Z would be true. All these other factors would would come into play. I'd have all the groupies. I'd be signing all the autographs because all chicks dig podcasters. I know it's a fact. It's a fact, but <laughs> it's not a very true fact. But it, my point is is that yes, we all struggle with that, and we all look for that outside uh, that uh, that outer reinforcement's not the word that I'm looking for, but I'm coming up validation. Like, a validation. Yeah. There we go. That's good. The validation. And and if we're if we put ourselves in a dangerous position, we're not going to have a lot of times that validation that we strive for. Or that well, we one of the things that us. I mentioned in the book, and uh, this is, comes from one of my coaches, Phil Stutz. Uh, he says, let's take it off the table. Meaning every morning I let go of any hope that I'm going to be appreciated or admired or adored or recognized for anything I do today. Wow. What happens if that becomes true for you? Right. Suddenly you start to question, well, then why in the hell am I doing this? If I'm only doing this, so someone's going to blow sunshine up my ass, mm, do I really want to continue doing it? Now, it doesn't mean that love isn't important, but I want to discern the difference between love and attention. Attention is the fast food cousin, cousin of love, right? It feels good in the moment and it's, it's a high. And then before you know it, we need more and more and more and more, but it's never really fulfilling. I love to get attention and there's people that love to get attention in their own way, right? But without love in our life, without people that genuinely love us, no matter what, whether we had a great podcast or not, then attention becomes the only game we've got. And, and I think that's where we burn ourselves out. And I, unfortunately, I think more and more people are trading attention. You know, they're, they're giving away love or the opportunity for love. Love's messy. It's vulnerable. So they go for attention. They go for the, the shallow end of the, of the pool. Um, so Phil's like, hey, what if you let go of that? What if you let go of any attachment that you're going to be recognized or admired or appreciated? Uh, anybody's going to blow any kind of sunshine up your ass today. And would you still do it? And for most people, they could start to see it, it polarizes their view and says, oh, the only reason why I'm doing this is so I can feel good about myself. Right. Uh, and and it, that's different than doing things. The only reason why I would do to feel good about myself, meaning that somebody tells me I'm good, which is, which is different than I enjoy doing something simply because I enjoy it. That's what I want to help people come back to. You talked about helping others. That feels good. It feels good to help sure. others. I don't need to have somebody go put up a billboard that says, Hey, you're a great guy. Cause you helped somebody. It's just that, that, that process was enjoyable. Um, most people are, like I said, they're more attached to the outcome, which is having somebody kiss their ass rather than the process of doing it, which the process itself is what's, what's uh, validating and, and enjoyable for them. That's, that's, that's pretty deep. I mean, that's, that's pretty, I mean, that's definitely an inward perspective that makes you stop and go, okay, instead of watch this day trading attention, which one of the loudest voices that we hear out there in the world is always talking about day trading attention, uh, to going for that fulfillment. For instance, my wife and I, we've been married almost 20 years. We're on 19 and some change now, right? It sure wasn't a good time for a lot of that. <laughs> it sucked. You know, a lot of it sucked a lot. Uh, and she'll say the same thing and that's cool, but now it's very fulfilling. It's very rewarding. It's very supportive. It's very loving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different relationship. We're together almost 24 seven. I mean, mm -hmm. literally, and we don't even want to be apart. Is it sort of a codependent thing? Eh, there might be some codependency <laughs> in there. It might be a little bit, but at the same sure. time, it's, it's not crippling. I still go to like podcast uh, events and Podfest and podcast movement and all that kind of stuff. And I go all over the place. So it's not that big a deal. But when we're home and we're both, we're both around, we, we, we're going to be attached. I mean, she's mm -hmm. just on the other side of the wall there. I'm telling you, you know, I'm in the studio right now, but she's right out there. So 
but it, it took a long time to get there. And it, we had to go beyond just getting attention from her or having people go, oh, kind of hot. Because mm -hmm. you know, we could both use a little uh, little Jenny Craig right about now. But uh, <laughs> see if she, she heard me say that, I'd get in trouble. But um, but thank you, I appreciate that. But yeah, it's 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 difficult to go from that from that attention grabbing to the love. And you know, I think I had the realization, and this is a story I think I've only shared one time. Uh, as a as a kicker puncher, I, I came up with some guys uh, that actually made it to the big show. They made it to the UFC, right? And I felt if I made it to the UFC, that I was going to be the shit, right? But I have a birth defect that kind of restricts my lung capacity, only 60%. So uh, it's hard to train your ass off and be on the same level as those guys when they're premium athletes, right? They're just the, the cream of the crop. Even back in the early mid-90s, they were still better athletes than I was that I was trying to compete against. Mm. And I had a fight in Homa, Louisiana with uh, Pete Spratt. He was on the main card and Rich Clemente. They both made it to the big show and they fought each other for a cheesy little world title there. But anyway, the thing is, uh, I had trained my ass off and we went down there. It was the day before the show. We're, we're working out. And I rolled with uh, rolled this jujitsu for wrestling or whatever. But uh, with someone. And the Salsa Lees, who's one of the premier trainers on the planet, looked down and he goes, hey, your cardio is kind of suspect, bro. Because, I mean, I'd only been rolling for like five, ten minutes. And I'm already dying. <clears throat> you know, just really getting after it. And that just crushed my soul. Because it made it apparent that. It made me start thinking immediately. I hated the fact that he wasn't impressed and I could never be on his fight team, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but why did I want to be on his fight team? I wanted to be on his fight team for the recognition. Why did I want to go to the UFC? For the recognition. I, I had already lost my passion for the martial arts. I didn't like getting punched in the face. That sucks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it just training all the time and it was just taking everything away. I couldn't do anything else. So I intentionally got sick. I didn't get sick, but I got sick. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out of the fight. So there was that day when I realized that I'm doing this for the wrong reasons. I'm doing this for the attention and the, the fulfillment of being a pro fighter instead right. of just being Larry Roberts. And I still right. was lost. I still didn't know who that guy was, you know, but I think that was a, a, an awakening moment in my life that I hold on to that I don't brag about because it kind of sucks, right? Because you come back and you lie to everybody. You go, yeah, man. Yeah, I won first round. Uh, you know, it was scary, but I got him. Whoo, thank God to all that training. You know, because they weren't there. It's, it's in home of Louisiana, a little swamp town, you know. But it's it's hard when you have that realization, and it's hard to pick yourself up and go, okay, well, am I just bullshitting my way through life everywhere? And when do I stop bullshitting my way through life? When do I finally find that direction that says this is this is who you are, and this is mm -hmm. why you're doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that that comes into your whole, uh, the same thing of, of giving, you know, or, or helping your, your example, help that little lady find a, a light bulb. Okay. And it made him feel great. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why I like giving now, I guess, because it makes me feel great, you know, mm -hmm. and nobody praises you for, for giving or for helping, you know, a little lady probably says, thank you. And then you go on about your business and that's great. Again, no billboard, no nothing, but you're still a lot happier than you were because you weren't, you were faking it. You were faking it the whole time. And when your real fulfillment is over here helping or doing whatever it is, it may not be helping, but, you know, just as the example, that's when you make it. But I think the time, the thing that a lot of people struggle with is making it and monetizing it. And that's where a lot of people get frustrated, I think, in the podcast game is they, how do I monetize my podcast? That's the number one question in the world, 
right? Uh, I'm, I'm on all kinds of different forums, and I see that question every freaking day. How do I monetize? I just launched my podcast. How do I get sponsors? You know, uh, are mm-hmm. they faking it just for the money, or is podcasting really fulfilling? Podcasting for me is very, very fulfilling because I love, well, to talk. You probably haven't picked up on that. But, uh, you know, I like to talk about as much as I like to eat. So they work hand in hand. Uh, But again, it's taking that fulfillment and then transitioning it into sustainability. And can your book help there? Or (laughs) how do you answer that question? How do you answer that question? And it was more of a phrase, I understand. But how, how how do you know when you line up your passion and you line up your true self and how do you take that and, and make that your life? The first thing I think is one of these kind of Hollywood romantic bullshit dreams is that somehow if you love something, then you sh- quote should be able to make a living doing it. And if you're not making a living doing it, you must be doing it wrong. And I, I just think that's a trap because what it does is it ends up, we, we tend to water down what we love in order to make the money or we water down our lifestyle that we want in order to be able to do the thing that we want to do. I know plenty of musicians that live shitty lives just so they can make music, quote, make music doing their thing, but they're playing Jimmy Buffett and not their own songs. You know what I mean? So it's like, (laughs) it's, so when you understand, it's like, okay, I still got to survive in this, in this world. Right. So let's not, let's not dance around it. So what can I do? That's going to empower me. What's going to be an ally for the thing I want to do. Well, we don't just stop there with the career. Like what, what, how can I X amount? What, what, what amount of money do I need to earn? What's the most fun, energizing way for me to earn that money? I might need to learn some things so I can do that. Okay. Well, now let's take a look at our relationship. Is my relationship, is this person an ally for this thing I love to do? Cause they may not be, you don't spend any time with me anymore. Why do you always want to do that thing? It's like, ah, oh, shit. Right? Where? How is this? Are you choosing allies that support you in living this thing that has you feel stronger, more expansive in the world? What about where you live? Right? You having to dodge gunfire when you get out of the car and, and run to your house at night? Like, what's the? How are you living in such a way, or where are you living so that you feel expanded and supported to go do the thing you ultimately want to do? What about your body? How are you taking care of your body? Is are you getting sick? Are you slowing down? Is, are you, is your body an ally to you? Are you treating it in such a way so that you're supported to do it? Because if you're on your back, guess what? You don't get to do the thing you love to do. And then what's the mindset that you have? How are you treating yourself? Are you, do you talk to, you don't have to love yourself, but are you an ally to yourself? Are you somebody that's in your own corner and saying, hey, you know what? Let's keep going. You got this. You're just going through a rough patch. Let's keep going. All right. What's going to help us out of here? How can we be helped? I like to look at it through the lens of what's going to empower me to do this instead of falling into the trap of like, the only way I can do this is if I make money doing it and just take the pressure off of the thing we love to do to also somehow fund our lifestyle. I think it's a trap. That's interesting. And, and, and I, I, I mean, I can't help but agree with you, you know, and, and there's no way that I could really sum it up better because there's so many times that I have done that, not, not just with martial arts, but I've jumped into a bunch of different arenas and, and, and tried to monetize it just for the sake of monetization and it failed miserably. You know, because yeah, we know you're because we know you or uh, whoever, right, is doing it for that reason is only right. doing it for the money. I mean, when Instead I talk of somebody who's doing something genuinely good. Right. Right. Now, I, I opened a karate school and uh, I had a karate school for about a year and I, it was mine and blah, blah, blah. I made two grand that year. Two grand. <laughs> two grand. 
That's it was tough. horrible. Like you actually cleared two grand? Or I you, cleared you, two you, grand. You brought in no, two I, grand. Well, I cleared. I, I spent two grand. You know, I got paid two grand that year. That's exactly what I made. And it was, it was, yeah, we lived on, I don't know, my wife at the time, she made, I don't know, 20 grand a year or something. We lived in a little shitty one bedroom apartment. But guess what? I had a karate school and I was teaching karate. It was awesome. Right. But it didn't, right. it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't work out. So, but man, yeah. I, I think you summed it up really, really well with your, with your last uh, response. But uh, I got to ask you this. I got to ask you more about the guitars behind you. Are you a rocker? What's going on, man? I am. Yeah. In my twenties, I, my first business, I, I, I got out of school and I was like, well, I'm going to, I went to art school. I was like, I, I'm going to starve to death <laughs> if I don't figure out how to, how to make a living. And so I started a uh, media production company and it was like, all right, I need, I did the, what I told you. It was like, I need to find the easiest, most energizing way to earn a living. And so I can go make my records. And so my twenties were about making records and I'm still making music, getting ready to put some more music up on Spotify as we speak. So oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, man, I sure appreciate your time. Is there anything you want to leave us with in regards to summing up the book or any other little tidbit of, of your expansive knowledge with us? I just want to remind us, we're all going to die probably sooner than we think. <laughs> well, here we go. Like, so let's stop waiting. Let's stop waiting around. Most of us are waiting for permission or, you know, when the time is right or the perfect plan comes along. I'm tired of it. Right I'm tired on. of seeing but everybody spin their wheels and it's uninspiring. I get really inspired by people that are like, shit, time is flying. I want to live this life. I want to really enjoy it before it's gone. There are people that just have their head in the sand and just don't realize that they don't get the time back. So I want to encourage people is like, own it. Own you're going to die. Don't be afraid of that part. Like, let's, let's, not, let's quit acting like that's not going to happen. So go live fully. That's what, I, that's what I want. I want to be around people that are living fully. That lights me up. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, and that plays right into living larger than life, everybody. So this has been an episode of the Readily Random Podcast. And today we had Trip Lanier with us. And you can check him out at triplanier.com. That's Trip, T-R-I-P-P-L-A-N-I-E-R. And uh, he also has the New Man Podcast. So check that out. So thanks once again, Trip. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it.